Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. In the last episode, we looked at the concept of discipleship, which in that passage was the ability to step away from the crowd and embrace the inconvenient and extraordinary faith and lifestyle that Jesus offered. In this episode, we're going to go on a journey of exploring the authority that Jesus had. I'm really excited about this time together with you, and I'm going to be reading a number of passages from Mark's Gospel in chapters 1 and 2. First, we'll start with Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. One of the first things that stood out in Jesus is that his words had a certain edge about them. Those listening heard what he said, and it stood out from the other teachers of their day. And in this passage, we see that his style is in complete contrast to that of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were a group of scholars and religious leaders in Jesus' time who, like most people of the day, were sensing the Messianic arrival was imminent. Their response to this was to ensure the people as a whole were staying squeaky clean by keeping all the finest details of the Mosaic law. The trouble is they communicated it in the most lifeless way and they made it all about the burden of the rules rather than the freedom of God's favor. The Pharisees were so entrenched in the rules that they had missed the life of God's word, and they missed the joy that relationship with God provided. In other words, it was words on paper and little else. Jesus, as we've seen, began teaching about the kingdom of God. And throughout this series, we will see this phrase many times, the kingdom is like... That's not the same as, I think it might be this or that way. There's no guesses here about the nature of this kingdom or the nature of God. All we see is undeniable certainty. And why is that? It's simple. Jesus had authority. But more notably, Jesus was the authority. Jesus was the inside man of the kingdom of God, and there was no denying this fact as he taught. His teaching went well beyond the bounds of the priests and the Pharisees, because he took the ink on paper they had and gave it flesh and character and substance. Jesus could speak as an insider to the way God operated because that's exactly who he was. Several times we will see him say, I only do what I see the Father doing. Throughout his ministry, we see Jesus operate with full knowledge of what is going on in heaven and confidently replicating that on earth in his words and actions and the crowds were left with no other option but to watch with amazement. So we see here that he demonstrates his authority by displaying his inside man connections to heaven. We're going to keep reading now from verses 23 to 28 to see another expression of authority in play. Just then, a man in this synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? 
a new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. And news about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This next scene of authority follows on quite naturally. Because Jesus was the inside man, he had a grasp on all the dynamics of the spiritual realm, again going beyond what the lesser local rabbis could do. And what we read here is a direct challenge to this. Mark tells us a man with an unclean spirit somehow makes his way into the Capernaum synagogue, something which was stopped most of the time and something which calls for immediate action from Jesus. We read here that it's the unclean spirit which initiates the conversation. Why are you interfering? Are you coming to destroy us? 1 John chapter 3 tells us that the Son of God appeared to, in fact, destroy the devil's work. So the answer to this demonic challenge is actually quite clear. Yes, I am here to destroy you, actually, starting right now. Get out of this person right now so he can be free to worship again. The last documented interaction with Satan was a lot more civil, if you like. The devil was playing nice in the hope of forming a treaty. This time, he challenged Jesus and took no prisoners. With Jesus, the bringer of the heavenly kingdom now on the scene, there was a new sheriff in town, one with full authority, where every demon in hell would have no choice but to obey. Let's look at authority another way from verses 40 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Here we read that sickness would be the next to fall. Now, please understand this. Sin, death, and sickness were actually not God's doing. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, we see that God is light and that there is no darkness in him at all. And we learned a few episodes back in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus came as a great light to a world overcome by darkness. Sickness was a work of darkness, not light. And Jesus had authority over all the efforts of darkness, over the spiritual realm, as we've just read, and over sickness. But we also see during the healing process that Jesus has bigger fish to fry than healing leprosy, or in the next passage, paralysis. Let's read this last passage from chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and then I'll bring it all together. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easy to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? 
or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. This is an amazing story to follow here. You've got a house chock full of people, most incredibly hungry for what Jesus has to say, but some hostile as well, and we see that clearly in this passage. We've got Jesus at one end speaking away, and above them, five desperate men. The most logical and short-term response to all this is to heal the man, let him go out as quick as possible so that things can go on without more interruption or inconvenience. But that's not what Jesus does. Like I said a moment ago, with the healings we read about in the Gospels, there are bigger things on display as we read between the lines. In the case of the leper, we see some amazing things in play. If you've been in church any amount of time, you'll know that the ancient Hebrew understanding on leprosy was a pretty deep problem. It caused not only great damage to the skin and the nervous system of a person, but it also required you to be fully isolated from everyone, and you were forbidden to come into places of worship as a result. It was even believed that God had cursed or punished you. It was a lonely road separate from your human loved ones as well as from your God. The sickness in the leper was a far greater issue than a mere skin flare-up. I'll explain it in more detail down the track in this series, but let me give you a hint right now. Right now, I am speaking in amongst the COVID-19 saga, and the lockdowns we are experiencing in these last few months are nothing compared to the isolation this man had been subject to. The plight of this man moves Jesus deeply. The idea of deep compassion mentioned here speaks of the deepest grief and sense of indignation. This was a saviour looking upon one of his creation and seeing the great injustice being brought upon him. Not necessarily because he was as sinful as the priests would suggest, but because the whole race had allowed themselves to get to this point. And we see here that Jesus was not afraid to touch this guy despite the law saying otherwise. And while the cleared up skin would have been amazing, the greater need of isolation was met as well, with Jesus instructing him to do all the things that the law of Moses required so he could be fully restored. There were so many things in play here that sin had caused. Sickness was the outward evidence of the greater problem of separation from our Creator. And as Jesus deals with the paralyzed guy in the next passage, we see him addressing the situation the same way. The greatest need dealt with first. And it's here that not only his authority over sickness is on display, but so is his authority over sin. As we get to this part of the story, we need to understand just how electric things suddenly got. The hostile elements of the crowd suddenly realizing the gravity of Jesus' statements here when he says, your sins are forgiven. How can anyone forgive sin unless they are God? Only God has the power to forgive sin. In human terms, this was blasphemy. This was actually worthy in Hebrew law of the death penalty. But Jesus does not back away. The Matthew version of this story tells us that Jesus told his detractors that he was indeed authorized to forgive as much as heal. This word in the original language means jurisdiction. The illusions of heavenly authority which began in his teaching was made abundantly clear by the end of this display. 
when Jesus as God in the flesh offers forgiveness of man's greatest need, sin. In other words, when it comes to the inner workings of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus clearly shows that this was his jurisdiction. And when it comes to the workings of the spiritual realm, Jesus clearly shows that he was in control of it all. The spiritual realm was under his jurisdiction. And when it came to the cause and effect of sin, Jesus would be the final authority there too, at the cross making the work of the devil redundant and bringing all under his jurisdiction. By displaying his authority here, he showed that as God, he could not only control his creation, but he could also put right the things that we had allowed to go wrong. The destruction of sin and sickness was no match for the love, the grace, and authority of Jesus. Friends, disciples understand that Jesus is in all things our final authority. But unlike the scenarios we've read in this episode, our hearts are actually in a pretty privileged position. You see, Jesus showed authority here in many ways, and the result was the same every time. Sin, sickness, demons had no choice but to obey the words of Jesus. Yet although Jesus takes authority here in all these things, the one place where we don't see him taking authority is our hearts. Instead, as we read about all those glorifying him, we see that authority over us was never taken from above. It was bestowed from below. In the spiritual realm, Jesus takes authority, and yet in us, he invites us to give him that authority. We get the choice. Through the Gospels, we see this time and again. Whenever he said, follow me, he didn't create a disciple. He created a choice. The four men in their fishing boats in the last episode had a choice, and their choice gave Jesus authority in their life. It could be helpful if Jesus decided to just step in and take authority. He already had control over sin, over death, sickness, the spiritual realm, and even the natural world. Why not just invade and control our hearts as well? Jesus actually didn't intend any of that. While he went and demonstrated his authority in so many ways, he left the big one out, us. And instead, he simply left the response to his demonstration up to us and gave us the power of choice. From the Garden of Eden onwards, we see that this is always consistent with the character of God. He doesn't want to take authority of us and he will not force himself into our lives. Instead, he wants us to weigh up his claims and his demonstrations and then give the authority we currently have of ourselves over to him. And when we do, we will experience the true freedom that knowing the Lord provides. When it comes to who has a say in our lives, Jesus always leaves that choice to us. So what will your choice be? Let's finish this episode with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, you clearly showed your authority in so many ways, and I believe these to be true all around me. You clearly have authority over sickness, over sin and the spiritual realm, and your authoritative words are clearly from the Father. I am truly grateful for all these truths. Now I give you authority over all of me as well, and I thank you that I am in good hands as I do this. I trust you completely. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our Devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
I look forward to catching up next time.